Therefore God anointed Biziel and Aholeb and the other gifted artisans with wisdom and understanding to do the work that the Lord had given Israel to do. And in a similar way, although all churches have been commissioned to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, Matthew 28:19, each church has been given unique giftings with which they are to serve their communities. May we never forget that many hands make light work. You're looking too far for that need to have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. But in chapter 36, I titled it, Stirred Hearts. And verse 2 is the verse that I chose for our key verse of the chapter, And it says, Then Moses called Biziel and Iholib, and every gifted artisan in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, everyone whose heart was stirred, to come and do the work. So God gave a call to all the gifted artisans. The gifted people were to gather together to do the work of the construction of the tabernacle and the outer court and its curtains and the priestly garments and the incense and the oil and all the gifted people gathering together whose heart the Lord stirred, whose heart the Lord put wisdom in. So God gave them the ability to do the work, but also stirred their hearts that they might do the work for the glory of God. So we find the gifted artisans in verses 1 and 2. It says, And Bizael and Aholib, and every gifted artisan in whom the Lord has put wisdom and understanding to know how to do all the manner of work for the service of the sanctuary shall do according to all that the Lord has commanded. So we've already learned of Bizael and Aholib and these gifted artisans that they were filled with the Spirit of God and the head builder, Biziel, and his assistant, Ahoyalib, they gathered together all the people who would do the work of the tabernacle to bring this project to a completion. The tabernacle, the outer court, the priestly garments, the furniture of the tabernacle, all these things brought the people together as God brought other gifted artisans to come alongside. Their hearts have been filled with the wisdom of the Lord. And I believe, and I said this a few weeks ago, that the skills that they had learned while slaves in Egypt, now they were able to apply to the work of the Lord. And sometimes that's how it is in this world that we find ourselves in. We can 
be gifted by God, and we can use those gifts and talents apart from God in this world and even develop those gifts and talents outside of the work of God. And then the Lord brings us into faith in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then we can take those gifts that the Lord has given us and redirect them for the work that the Lord now calls us to as believers. And so, verse 2, the gifted artisans whose hearts the Lord had put wisdom, everyone whose heart was stirred, they came to do the work. 2 Timothy 1.6, also Paul, in his last letter to the church, reminding Timothy to stir up the gift of God which is in you. So Paul writing this specifically to Timothy, to stir up. Stir up gives us that image of a, a fire that's still smoldering. The ambers are still glowing, but there's no flame lit up. And sometimes all you have to do is take the poker and move the wood around a little bit, and you can get the thing to flame up, to fire up. And Paul is reminding Timothy, stir up the gift of God. It's there. The ambers are still there. And it was given to you through the laying on of Paul's hands. And he reminds them to stir up those gifts. Sometimes the Lord just simply needs to remind us to stir up the gifts that he's already given us to use for his glory. In Ephesians 4.16, it tells us, From whom the whole body, so Christ being the head of his church, we learn that in Ephesians 4.15, but from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth in the body for the edifying of itself in love. And so, when everyone comes together in the body of Christ to do their share in the work, the giftings that the Lord has supplied each one of us with, it edifies the entire body. And these verses are great reminders that to be effective in the work of ministry, it involves an entire congregation. It's not just the work of a few, and quite often in many of the churches, that's what we find conducting in the church is just a handful of people trying to do the work that God has prepared many to do. And although Moses was a good shepherd to watch over the children of Israel, clearly he was not a gifted artisan. Never do we read. We read of Aaron throwing some gold into a, a fire and then a calf popping out like he didn't form it with his hands, but apparently Aaron was a gifted artisan, but Moses, we never read of Moses creating, making in this sense. Therefore God anointed Biziel and Aholeb and the other gifted artisans with wisdom and understanding to do the work that the Lord had given Israel to do. And in a similar way, although all churches have been commissioned to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, Matthew 28, 19, each church has been given unique giftings with which they are to serve their communities. May we never forget that many hands make light work. And so they each did their work, verses 3 through 7, and I'd already mentioned that I'm not going to read every verse of this passage. We're going to be repeating a bit of these things, but I'm going to read several of these verses. In verse 3 it says, And they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought, for the work of the service of making the sanctuary. So they continued 
bringing to him free will offerings every morning. Biziel, Aholib, the other gifted artisans, after answering the call of God to make the tabernacle, they began receiving the offerings from the children of Israel for the construction of the tabernacle. In addition to making the tabernacle and all its furnishings, the tools, the holy uh, incense, the anointing oil, and the priestly garments, they also would use the daily sacrifices of the people. As they came to worship God, they kept receiving these offerings. The people kept bringing offerings to the house of the Lord for the building of the house of the Lord. And an amazing thing happened in this passage. We rarely find it repeated anywhere else in the Bible, nor do we ever rarely find it repeated in the Lord's church that those who were bringing the gifts brought too much and the craftsmen came to Moses and they told Moses, tell the people to stop, verses 4 and 5. Then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came, each one from the work that he was doing. And they spoke to Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. So Moses had to make a proclamation for the people to stop bringing their offerings to the Lord, which is amazing indeed. Yet Israel was not always so giving. It would be in the days of Malachi, God would remind the children of Israel, Malachi 3.10, to bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this thing, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. The people have been making excuses why they couldn't give offerings to the Lord. And the Lord God in Malachi 3.10 challenged the people saying, Bring in the tithes and test me in this thing and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you. And that's going to be, as I was just reading this, I'm thinking about uh, the times that are upon us and coming, a recession they're talking about hyperinflation. Now they're already talking about a recession. And uh, just last year, I, I did a couple of papers on the crash of the market in 2008. I wrote all the way back concerning the Great Depression in another paper that I'd written for school. And I have heard of the current circumstances that we are in. They have readily been comparing it to and now saying a little bit worse than uh, what happened to us 40 years ago during the Carter administration, and I've even heard them tie things all the way back to the 1930s and the Great Depression. And we don't want to hear that, but what happens if you have back-to-back -back recessions hit, that brings us into a depression, and hopefully we won't come to that place, but it seems like we're being set up for a time like that. And we might find that people in the church will be saying, but Lord, I can't bring the ties into the storehouse. And the Lord again might be saying, try me in these things. Watch and see if I do not provide for you. And so we might be challenged with these very same things. I will say that Malachi 3.10 is often misused by preachers to beat up on their congregations for not giving. While this verse speaks truth, perhaps not in its misuse, God does challenge the people about giving. And although we must each come to our own conclusion 
about what our gifts and offerings should be to the Lord. Remember that God loves a cheerful giver. So whatever we do, let us do it cheerfully unto the Lord. So 8 through 38, they built the tabernacle, and this breaks down into the different sections of the tabernacle. The remainder of this chapter deals with the construction of the tabernacle. And in Exodus 26, Moses received the details of the tabernacle's construction, the specifications, the blueprint, we might say, while he was with the Lord on Mount Sinai. Now they take those specifications and they get to work. I was a builder for many years, given blueprints. And originally when I began running to work, my first job that I ran was in Highland Park. I was 23 years old. I was green as could be and uh, probably shouldn't have been running to work, but I was the guy that God put on call for that. And originally it was reading the blueprints, but then I learned that not only the blueprints, the specifications as well, And now they're taking the blueprints, they're taking the specifications, the details of how God should say they should be built, and they bring it together. They begin with the fine linen curtains. So what we're doing is beginning with the tabernacle, and we're layering from inside out. The fine linen curtains would face inward toward the sanctuary, the Holy of Holies, and the holy place in the tabernacle. So Moses is laying this out from the inside out, the fine linen curtains, verses 8 through 13. And we begin in verse 8, it says, Then all the gifted artisans among them who worked on the tabernacle made ten curtains woven of fine linen thread, of blue and purple scarlet yarn, with artistic designs of cherubim. They made them. And then he goes on to talk about the length and the details, how many cubic And I kind of did the math for us on these things to make it a little bit easier for us to give us a better or clearer understanding of it. So the design, these fine linen curtains on the inner walls of the tabernacle itself, facing the Holy of Holies and the holy place, made with blue and purple and scarlet thread, woven in the design of cherubim, of angels, weaved into them, And cherubim, as we read in the Bible, they're always associated, often associated with the throne room of God itself. Once we find uh, cherubim, seraphim guarding the way to the Garden of Eden. But other than that, we find them in the throne room of God. And here are these curtains, consisted of ten panels, five on each side. They were joined together by 50 loops of blue yarn, that were sewed to each end of each set of the curtains that were coupled together by 50 golden clasps. Each panel was 28 cubics by 4 cubics, and depending on what that measurement is, a cubic, I read from years ago, and it's just been stuck in my head that they believe a cubic measures from a man's elbow to the tip of his middle finger, and they're saying that's an average of 18 inches, so anywhere from 18 to 20 and a half inches long. And so if using an 18-inch cubic, a foot and a half, it means the curtains were 42 feet by 6 feet when all put together and assembled. If using an 18-inch, if it's 20 and a half inches, then it's 47 feet, 8 inches long by 6 foot, 8 inches. And so the fine linen curtains of blue, purple, scarlet, and the thread, the cherubim, the golden clasp, it reminds us of the inner beauty of Christ. 
In Psalm 50, verse 2, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God will shine forth. But all these things would be only seen by the priests who ministered daily in the holy place and the high priests who ministered once a year in the Holy of Holies. So the inner working of the tabernacle, the fine linen curtains. Next, we find the goat hair curtains, verse 14 through 18. In verse 14, it says he made curtains of goat's hair. For the tent over the tabernacle, he made 11 curtains. Once again, measuring out 11 panels and that were each put together, 30 cubits by 4 cubits, one side consisting of five panels, the other of six panels. They were joined together by loops at the end that were set and clasped together, made of bronze. This time, not gold, but bronze. And there was an extra panel. It was used to create a door for the tabernacle. And so this was a weather-resistant covering of black goat's hair with bronze clasp. It not only hid the inner beauty of the tabernacle, it reminds us that black's goat hair can remind us of the sin that was placed upon Christ himself. In 1 Peter 2.24, it says, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. Jesus Christ bore our sins. Jesus Christ, who is that of the inner beauty of God, God's only begotten Son, but he bore our sins and the blackness of our sins, perhaps reminiscent of this black goat hair covering that went over the fine linen curtains of the tabernacle. The ram skin and the badger skin, again, they keep layering the tabernacle. The third layer was made of ram skin dyed red and a great illustration of the blood of Jesus Christ that covers our sin. So we have the black representing our sin. Now the red representing the blood of Christ, putting a covering over our sins. And the Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So verse 19 tells us of these two outer coverings, the ram skin dyed red, and the badger skin gave the tabernacle really a plain appearance. There was nothing spectacular from the outward appearance of this tabernacle. It reminds us that Jesus while he was in his fleshly form. Isaiah 53, 2 reminds us that he had no form or comeliness, no beauty that we should desire him. Why do you think so often they had to have Jesus picked out of the crowd? He looked as if he was a common person. He did not walk around with this glowing halo. If he did, they would just say, the guy who glows over there in the crowd, that's the one you're looking for. Now he looked common from the outside, had no form, no comeliness, no beauty that we should desire him. And the frame of the tabernacle in verses 20 through 34, 20 through 34, not quite through the chapter yet, but moving quickly. The frame was upon which the curtains, of course, the skins were hung. They were made of boards of acacia wood, and they were held together by rings and bars and overlaid with gold. The acacia wood, and we find it in all of the tabernacle building, 
whether making the furniture or these bars and these frames. It's a very hard wood, very heavy, indestructible by insects. And so it was perfect for the building of the tabernacle's framework and the furniture of the tabernacle. The boards measured two feet, three inches wide by 15 feet long. And when you put it all together, we find that the tabernacle was 15 feet high, 45 feet wide. And the west was 15 by 15, that the east walls were left open for the entryway. And so we find that the tabernacle itself, 15 feet high, 15 feet wide, and the length of the walls, 45 feet, and then the front was left open for the entryway. They were set in silver sockets, silver support stands for the frame. And that silver stands were made from the atonement money of Exodus 30, verses 11 through 16. God required from every man from 20 years old and up to give a half a shekel, a ransom for himself to the Lord, Exodus 30, 12, a half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary, Exodus 30, 13, from 20 years old and above shall give an offering to the Lord, Exodus 30, 14. And so the frame itself rested on the atonement, the ransom money. And in a similar way, the church rests upon the atoning work of Jesus Christ. In Acts 20, 28, it says, Therefore take heed to yourself and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to the shepherd of the church, which he purchased with his own blood. And so the atonement money, the ransom money, we do not pay money for our salvation. Christ purchased our salvation with his own blood. Let's go ahead and stand together. Here on Wednesday evenings, we've been running through. It's been a while, I think, since I've done this, but the ABCs of salvation. The atonement is so important. The A stands for admit. In order us, for us to apply the blood of Jesus Christ, we have to admit that we are sinners. Romans 3.23 reminds us that all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But 1 John 1.9 tells us, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have to admit to God that we are sinners. The B is for believe. Believe in the work that Jesus did upon the cross. His death, burial, resurrection, His ascension into heaven. Receive that gift of salvation Romans 5.8 reminds us that God demonstrates his own love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We have to believe in the work of Jesus Christ. And the C is for confess. Confess your faith in Jesus Christ. Share that faith with others. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 tells us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans ten thirteen. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For whoever, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this night and these chapters. Lord, such detail, and given to us twice in the book of Exodus. Lord, I do not believe that you repeat yourself for no reason. 
And one of the great things that I learned from this is not just the material used, the bronze, the gold, the silver, and how they distinctly fit with the atonement work of Christ upon the cross. Also, Lord, how the body came together to do this work. Today, Lord, we pray that our church would continue to come together, to be filled with wisdom and knowledge, to do the work that you've called, that we would have willing hearts, willing hearts to give, to provide for the ministry and the work of ministry, willing hearts to build, to gather together, to do the work of ministry. So bless us, Lord, if there are those who are sick and in need of healing touch, those, Lord, who don't know you as Savior or need to return to you, bring them back, bring them to repentance, even this hour. And those, Lord, who just want to serve you, knowing, Lord, you've called them to serve, but they've never taken that step of faith, maybe tonight you're encouraging them to take that step. We pray these things in the name of our precious Savior, Jesus. Amen. Pray that God would bless you and that he would keep you, that his face would always shine upon you and give you peace. God bless. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. 